everybody, welcome back to Mooncraft Podcast. I'm your host, Gulvin, and today we have a very special guest from the U.S. 2nd, 25-man heroic, and 4th world, Dot from Midwinter. Hello, Dot. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. So let's jump right into it and uh, ask what's on everybody's mind. Uh, what is uh, Midwinter's uh, rating schedule going to be like for the world's first one heroic unlocked next week? Is it going to be that 24-7, seven days a week schedule that maybe a Method or Blood Legion might be doing? Or is it just going to be maybe more of a little expanded uh, raid push? I think our plan is to have more of a uh, presence than we did last year. We've been raiding consistently more and more each year as we get more and more hardcore, but still it's possible for me, example, to hold an uh, eight-hour-a-day job and still raid full-time with my guild. I believe our plan is to hit about 50 hours in the first week and then roughly 30 to 35 hours in each week after that. So it's definitely a stress on my life i mean during the progression but since progression is over fairly shortly it's not that great a deal and i can work around it uh so you know we were talking a little bit before about uh kind of the race to world first and the so you're going to be going uh for obviously for world number one this time going to beseech blood legion as uh the u.s number one and midwit uh method excuse me as the overall number one um so going into that what kind of percentage of the fights are you going to be seeing as a tank as a brewmaster because you do do that uh windwalker off spec um as a brewmaster i believe this tier we have pretty much every single fight has to be two tanked at least um blizzard has learned a lot from the one tanking shenanigans of the previous tier and made most tank debuffs either impossible to reset or if you want to one tank it it would make it extremely difficult on you as a guild so there is very little advantage to one tanking fights now as compared to last year so you mean no more Durumu? Where you're able to just sit there and, and tank at everything, or, or uh, I guess Salute would be tanking it for you, and you'd be DPSing. I want <laughs> yeah, one of those. No more <laughs> type fights. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, noticing doing my t- testing on the PTR, it seems to be that way as well. Uh, now, going into the PTR in, in general, just uh, you know, kind of diving into that. Um, now, there was the Keg Smash nerf. Looks to be an 18% overall damage nerf, as well as the, uh, a, pa- a change to the Vengeance. Now, with your test uh, testing, because obviously, you know, being a West Coaster like myself, unfortunately, some of them are during work hours. Uh, the ones that you are actually able to get to, um, did you notice a really big change in how Vengeance was actually stacking for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the main difference, though, however, is that when I was testing on the PTR, it was mostly during the weekends, and the available tests during the weekends were neither normal nor heroic. It was mostly PTR... Uh, LFR and Flex. See, the thing with LFR and Flex is that the bosses can't do possibly do the amount of damage that they do in normal and heroic. Mm-hmm. So my vengeance levels were definitely lower than I was used to. Yeah, I know. I bet, and the damage output was probably a lot lower. But I guess comparative to the raid, is Brewmaster still going to be that top-notch DPS tank? Obviously, it looks like Paladin is kind of you know creeping up. I'm noticing, in, especially in your guys' kill videos, for example, Salute's usually up there with a lot of high damage. Um, is it just a? Do you think the the nerf is just to stop the scaling of with agility and all the secondary stats, or do you think it's uh, just they don't want to make it so where it's like you have to have a Brewmaster as your main ta- like your main damage tank? I guess you could say. Yeah, I think the issue that they dealt with the Vengeance is that tanks are probably the, like, 
the hidden scalers. We have the absolute best scaling in the game because not only do we gain damage stats from our gear, but we also gain a crap load of attack power from the bosses. And if they did not reign in this scaling, we would be unquestionably the highest DPS possible to bring in Siege of Orgrimmar. Up to the point where I think it might be a DPS increase to bring three to four tanks over oh, wow. just two DPS. The, uh, over just two tanks and the rest DPS into the raid. And it probably wouldn't surprise me too if we see some fights like I'm thinking of Calaxi, a Paragons for example where a three tank might be better, more DPS beneficial um, not only because of the, probably the damage especially on heroic mode, might be something that you know some guilds out there may be looking into because of like you said how the scaling is and how Vengeance is, is looking and um, going into that a little bit more into the, some of the fights um, that you're looking at, which ones, even with the nerfs that you can see, which ones do you feel are going to be like, oh, this is a fight tuned specifically for the Brewmaster Toolkit, like damage-wise? Um, to be honest, pretty much all of them. Brewmasters, even after the Keg Smash nerf, I believe still scale the best and have the highest single-target DPS of every tank. And we also still have the highest single target or multi-target DPS of all the tanks as well. So to be honest, with the rushing Jade Wind uh, change, we become the highest cleavers. We become (laughs) the (laughs) The best best of everything, right? Yeah, like Like, they can only do so much to keep us down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they got an 18% nerf, and then they buff the hell out of Rushing Jade Wind. I think it's mainly going to be that for all specs, except for it looks like a Mistweaver. I know for Windwalker for specifically with that, the recent change where they just did a buff to it, um, in, in talking especially with Rotund over the weekend, uh, who does some of the, the uh, uh, what's it called, the uh, spreadsheets for it. Um, it looks like, yeah, it seems like Monk's, for at least the two top DPS specs, so the Brewmaster and the Windwalker are going to be the top uh, AoE fighters. So that's very interesting that they would go that route because generally, I guess you'd think of like a uh, a DK tank being one of the top AoE or uh, for tanking. And now that they're kind of looking at the Brewmaster to glean, keep it in par, do you think it's mainly for at least for numbers of Brewmasters? Because even though you know it seems like Mistweavers is pretty much like the highest. Uh, class, as far as like the monk is concerned, that's being represented in a top end guild. Uh, do you think that brewmasters are kind of that second one, or do, like why? What do you think the reason is to keep brewmasters like looking like the biggest, uh, like the strongest damaging tank in in this uh, tier? I think the fact that lower representations of tanks ultimately turn out to be the highest numbered tanks is sort of a self fulfilling prophecy, in that Blizzard looks a lot at say stats like raid bots where they average out the top in number of parses per tank and then take a look and uh, verify the results against the other tanks. And the fact is, because of sampling bias, any class with a low representation has their actual results tuned so that instead of just being an average of the very top players, you have an average of the medium to the top players, which obviously is going to give you a lower result compared to the other top players. So they look at it and go, hmm, okay, brewmasters are doing still okay damage, not exactly like shooting sky high above any other tanks. So they leave brewmasters as it is. And okay. brewmasters as it is just happens to be <laughs> highly damaging. Yeah. 
And is that mainly because of the skill cap that goes with the Brewmaster? I mean, obviously, um, it seems like the ability rotation is, is pretty simple. You know, jab to gain chi, uh, blackout kick, uh, and then also cake smash to, you know, to also generate and, and do damage as well. Um, do you think it's just because of maybe uh, how the energy is done and using, uh, you know, being efficient with your energy? As far as like the end game tank, is, is, is there like a skill gap between the top performing ones and then the kind of the mid grade ones? Um, to be honest, I don't think that there is that big of a difference between Brewmaster skill cap versus any other tank skill cap, except possibly Druids, which just seem to be incredibly easy for me. But the issue with the uh, difference between like the max damaging Brewmasters and the low damaging ones is more, and uh, I guess a feeling of aggressiveness and how much damage you want to do for example i came from a dps background and mm -hmm. i focus a lot on doing uh the max damage i can whereas most traditional tanks focus on surviving and because so much of your attention is focused on surviving you don't end up doing your maximum dps and it's sort of vice versa for me as well so oh, okay so it's more like you're, you're focused more on your like a uh, perfect rotation i guess and making sure there's no gcd wasted whereas maybe someone that's more on a you know, privy to survivability would want to keep at least one or two GCDs open in case they have to pop like a large defensive cooldown that may be on the GCD. Is that is that something that you're? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. Or, or, leave, like or leaving that. resources open, like like for example, leaving like a guard resource open in case you know something is about to happen where maybe you might be able to like you know YOLO it, I guess <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and just like say, well, you know, let's let's hope we could kind of you know shred the needle here, or maybe not capping out your energy on the jab to get an extra blackout kick, uh, you know, or, or get throwing an extra cake smash in and then keeping it up for that expel harm in case you're going to take a large chunk of damage or something like that. Is that, is that what you mean by that? Um, something like that. Um, it's just a, uh, I think it's just a, a psychological mindset where everybody thinks that they sort of play better than they currently do. But if I, for example, review my fraps of every fight, I can probably pick out errors every five to 10 seconds in my rotation. And everybody is like this. We all fail miserably at perfecting our rotation. We don't play anywhere near the maximum potential that we can do. And I think that it's just a, the fact that the DPS mindset of a player just means you fail slightly less in that uh, rotation component and you spend a bit more attention there rather than compare to surviving. For example, a tank from an old school tank would worry much more about their current HP, their current position in a raid, like which direction the boss is facing, and because your attention is placed so much and emphasized so much on that sort of thing, then they sort of lose uh, attention from elsewhere, because attention is a definite finite resource. So, it just happens that their uh, attention isn't placed on DPS. Well, yeah, and especially with all the new, you know, uh, in the Siege, how the mechanics are you know, you have to move here, you have to dodge this, you have to move there. It seems like they're kind of ramping up the tension cap for players to be able to, you know, keep that DPS rotations up, um, especially for, like, tanking and even, D uh, you know, DPS as well. Um, so I guess then getting a little more into that, um, going with uh, the, the tank, I guess, DPS-wise now, uh, currently when I look at it out there in the, in the Brewmaster world and you're kind of looking at, there's kind of two different 
groups. Like you mentioned, there's the survivability group, which is more stored uh, to mastery and mastery stacking and, and even stand mas uh, stacking that I see some people doing. And then there's the people that just stack crit and agility and don't care about any of the other stuff. Which <laughs> camp do you usually – do, are you relying in that agility and crit camp that you just want to stack as much damage uh, ability as you can? I try to do the best thing for the guild in that when it's progression time, I will focus on maximum survivability. When we progress through Throne of Thunder, I definitely stacked something like 80% of my available secondary stats into mastery, and my crit was very low throughout. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, but as we gradually uh, got fights more and more on farm, it's sort of not fun to just be there as like a tank that doesn't do damage. So yeah. I've gradually changed my gearing little by little over time until right now I'm maximally focused on crit just to do the uh, fun amounts of damage that I do. Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to laugh at the rogues when you're pat when like you taunt the boss and all of a sudden you pass them up on the DPS meters, right? You know, oh, yeah, you got to be like just, just taunt at them and say, you know, then take their gear afterwards, which is even better as a, you know, when you do it as a tank, when you just take that gear from a rogue or feral or even a fellow, uh, you know, windwalker, just say, oh, no, I'm going to take that because, uh, you know, I'm a tank. It's, it's a better upgrade for me. Um, and then going into that, I guess then, um, like you said, so for the, the pushing that, you know, edge. Uh, progression, it's going to be survivability is probably going to be key because of, I guess, the gear, the fight, because you have finite gear when you first start out, correct? You know, you're going yeah. in with the, the lowest possible eye level that you can probably even accomplish the fights, or it seemed like in, uh, I mean, obviously, Lei Shen had a really high threshold at the time, but did, was that one of those ones where you kind of ran into a gear cap almost, where you just didn't have that much damage to put out to, to kill the boss, or was it more of just, uh, you know, associating with all the damage going out that you kind of had that balance to play? Oh yeah, definitely. The first week of Leishen, we had so much trouble meeting the DPS check of Phase 1. And after a week of wiping on that, um, uh, Salute and I, my co-tank, we worked out a series of uh, vengeance cheeses, for no, no other better uh, phrase. But um, we basically uh, started Jimmy more for DPS and Taunt of the Boss for risky uh, vengeance uh, stacking. So to more mm -hmm. easily meet the DPS checks of the phase. Yeah, I think it was either Trekkie or Sloot, I think, on Gamebreaker, kind of gave up that whole thing for every all the tanks. And then now the Vengeance cap came in, like, right after that. So I don't know if it was... I don't think it was Sloot. I think it was, uh, I think it was Trekkie uh, from a method that actually gave that secret out about the sit down or stand in AoE stuff to get more vengeance. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's been happening for so long, ever since vengeance was introduced, so it's kind of interesting that they do it now, but then looking at how tanks are scaling, you know, they, they kind of nerfed it. I think they nerfed vengeance when they were doing almost like three times more damage than it seemed like the top DPS was at the time. I think it was like in 5.0, I believe they, they nerfed it a little bit there. Um, so it does yeah. it does make you know more sense and and uh, you know definitely uh, my you know I'm not I'm more of a, I'm DPS role right now but I, I'm like the third tank so um, you know the two the two main tanks definitely do do that on Leisha and the uh, the nice oh I'm gonna sit down or I'm gonna stand really close for this decapitate to stack my uh, my vengeance to max <laughs> yeah and then so I guess then getting into that as well um, even though you're gonna be doing end game you know edge progression I'll call it that and because end game most people will be doing that, but maybe not to the edge, to like that one DPS is what you want to get out of everybody. Like, if you lose one DPS from everybody, then it may be a boss kill or 
boss wipe. Um, the legendary meta gem. Um, there's a, I see a lot of especially brewmaster tanks going. I mean, obviously this tier was you know proccing a lot, but still talking about go- keeping it, still going into the uh, progression in five four. Are, is that something you're going to be looking into using, or are you still going to go right? Are you going to go back to that survivability mode and, and getting actually the tanking meta gem? That is actually a. Uh pretty hard decision right now when the tanking meta gem came out i did the math and if i were to uh equivalent or make an equivalence point out of the tanking meta and say for example mastery i found that the uh crit meta gem was equivalent to roughly 8000 master uh, crit rating but the tanking meta gem was only maybe equal to about 2000 mastery so, two thousand mastery or eight thousand crit rating. You know that was a very oh, easy yeah. decision to just take. Okay, let's take the crit rating worth of damage. But now that they've both nerfed the tanking meta and, or they both nerfed the DPS meta and buffed the tanking one, they both work out to be about five thousand rating either way. So it really just becomes an extension of your crit or mastery paradigm. So if you're in a fight where you're taking a lot and a lot of massive damage, then you might want to take a look at the tanking meta. Or if DPS is needed, then you might want to take a look at the DPS. Uh, I, for one, am planning to have a uh, cache of probably three or so metas of each type in my bag so I can swap it on the fly gym progression. And that's very costly for anybody out there that knows it's uh, five currently five primal diamonds to to change those out every time. And uh, I was actually just going to ask you that. So does that mean you're going to uh, scumbag the DPS out of a, a hat when it comes to the the next drops? Uh, you know, take that say no, going to take that for my tanking um, as far as gearing goes. I know, I know, uh, you know. You, as well as, like, you know, let's say, for instance, Blood Legion or Method, uh, do multiple runs to try to maximize as much loot on the first week of normals. Um, are you going to try to see if you can grab one of those, like uh, two of those hats, if, if they drop? Um, if they do drop, then I will take them, but uh, chances are that they won't, and we do have a loot council that is not totally retarded, so I <laughs> imagine that if two drop, there is no way I'm going to get both of them, if there is another player who can still use the other drop. But fortunately, there is none in our raid. So. <laughs> And then so then going into that as well, into loot in general in 5.4, looking at especially the, the tanking, uh, the set pieces, um, it seems it's the two-piece, I believe, is the one that you get the guard and you get a little smaller guard when that procs onto someone. Is that something you're going to be shooting for, is that two-piece right away ASAP, even if it's maybe uh, going down to a flex mode one if you don't have any luck with any drops? You know, that does unfortunately happen for sometimes that you, you know, you never see a prot token for a few weeks. Is that something you're going to be shooting for, like, if you get a chance to, even if it's a, say, a lower item level? Um... The way I look at it is that the tier 16 bonuses are roughly equivalent to the tier 15 bonuses, especially after the tier 15 two-piece nerf. So if I can get any couple of pieces that average out to a higher eye level than whatever I currently have on, then it's a good replacement. Uh, Flex is 440, I believe, and Mm -hmm. normal mode is 553, so a Flex plus a normal piece is probably good enough to outweigh the tier 15 two-piece, or four-piece for me. And so is that just mainly because of the stats that you get from it, as well as armor? Because I know some of them do have like a larger armor on them uh, compared to other uh, set items. Yeah, yeah, I... 
really think that the uh, the maximum or the potential in an item is much more uh, related to its eye level than the set bonuses it provides. So the set bonuses then are mainly as as far as like the again the edge progression stuff is is more aso- associated with a bonus rather than a necessity. Um, yeah, in my case it is. Um, I know some DPS or healers have exceptionally awesome bonuses that mm-hmm. they will probably have higher priority on the set pieces. Okay, cool. And then, so then I guess going into that as well, um, uh, when you're looking for that item to, to get and say you get a, a Warforged uh, helm or, or chest or something that's replacing a tier piece and you don't have a replacement um, tier for the other uh, location, um, will you be breaking your four piece for something like that? Because I know the four piece currently is probably be something you'd re- kind of want for you know that edge progression, being able to get that free uh, 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 purify. Um, the way I see it right now, the tier 15 four piece is purely a DPS boost because in every single uh, encounter that I've looked at, I have been able to get enough chi with my current haste to purify as much as the uh, purify proc would have given me, except with the proc, I would be turning it into blackout kicks or DPS. So if the Warforge piece or whatever uh, non-set item drops that uh, comes out to be more DPS, then I will gladly swap to it. Okay, cool. So yeah, I mean, it, I guess it's just because we're so used to, I mean, at least for myself, it's more of like, a, like you said, a DPS mentality of something. When you drop a four-piece, it's got to be because of you know, you're picking up a two-piece of the next tier to outbalance the, the power of it. Because generally, it seems like for healing and, and DPS especially, the, the two and four-piece are like what brings the, much, the most amount of damage to a class. So that's very interesting to see that, uh, you know, just because it's like you said, it's going to average out to be a little more damage than the like the purify, which uh, you know one would think might be something you'd want to keep for maybe even all the way through the end of the tier because of that free purify. Um, so then I guess getting into that as well for uh, um, the, uh, the the gear options uh, for the biggest uh, bang for your buck, would you recommend someone picking up a, a two-hander for tanking or just go with the two singles, so two one-handers? Two one-handers. Not specifically because the two one-handers do a lot more DPS, and I do think they do a a bit more DPS, but the overall effect is that the two one-handers, especially if you socket them with uh, pure stat gems, secondary stats, they come out to more secondary stats than a two-hander. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely with the especially with that uh, with the sockets when you can get multiple of them in there, that's definitely something you can utilize to to maybe throw in like a three twenty uh, crit or, or mastery dependent on what you're doing. Yeah, actually, didn't they say something about the uh, Black Prince weapon socket not being able? Yes, to work? it does not work for five four currently. Mm. That actually then might make it a, a very interesting question because it only had sec- more secondary mm-hmm. stats with the sockets. So do you think maybe it's going to be dependent on what drops? Like I guess that it would be obviously anything that's Warforged this first week you'd probably want to pick up, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So like if you get your chance to get a hands on a two-handed Warforged as far as tanking purposes, that'd probably be something that you could grab onto and then maybe probably only replace – because I, I know that for you know uh, Windwalker, for example, there's the, the calculation like you know you average the two item levels together by you know adding them and divide by two type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that the same thing similar to how it is with Brewmaster or is it mainly just associated with what kind of stats are actually on them compared to the other? Kind of similar to like say a, a Mage or a Druid – uh, caster. Yeah, it's going to be more of a stat sort of thing. Uh, I would, 
the weapons do contribute a lot more to our DPS now with the uh, change to vengeance and attack power scaling between all of our abilities. And given that if two weapons drop, one of them being a one-hander one the other being a two-hander, uh, you're probably going to have to go with the two-hander because the two-hander is straight up the higher eye level of the average right there. So it looks like with the uh, legendary socket change that I might just have to go with the two-hander if it drops. Yeah, well then, yeah, it's definitely steal that from them ferals, right? You know, <laughs> any way you can steal weapons from any other class is always a benefit to any kind of monk, regardless of what it is, whether it be a healer, DPS, or a tank. That's definitely something that you want to do. Um now, going in, uh, a couple questions here left that I have to just have to ask you as far as uh, you know exactly what you're going to be grabbing. Um, obviously, defensive cooldowns for your personal it's going to be you know dampen harm is going to be based on if it's probably most likely a physical attack or a very large hitting one, and then you know the 90% is obviously because it's magical. So I guess that you know nothing really changes there. Is that just because uh, the um, the uh, the what's it called the uh, brew one uh, the healing brewers or healing elixirs is just not really scaled well for tanking purposes because I remember at one point it seemed like it was actually going to be edging out the other two cooldowns. Healing elixirs actually looks fairly decent on the PTR. A lot of people scoff at it because it's a passive effect and they look at dampen harm and goes oh wow half of a hit that gets removed. But in the absence of extremely large uh, predictable hard-hitting abilities, then healing elixirs become a lot better than either of the other two. So I think, I'm thinking of like a fight like Raden, I guess, could be where it could benefit from, like where there's constant AoE damage, especially in Phase 2. Like, you know, there's a constant damage to keep yourself always capped at, at 100%. Or there's oh, maybe... De definitely. Oh. Like, Raden is a, a fight where almost every single melee would trigger Dampen Harm. So if you take Dampen Harm as an ability, you would basically get and three charges every one and a half minutes, and it's just the next three charges. So mm -hmm. healing elixirs is more of an ability that could possibly be useful anywhere, especially save you from possible death. So then I guess it would just be also more related to whatever the ability that boss does at that moment. Like, like example, I bring up Paragon is just because you know it's one of the it seems like it's one of the later staged fights in the, in the tier. I believe it's the actually the last the second to last one before a garage. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of abilities in there where the, it could, we can get a one or percented by just the, you know, a gouge and like an attack or something, like a stun and a hit. And a hit. So that's probably maybe something that you want to, you know, probably use your, uh, God, I always forget the name of it, um, the uh, brew, uh, cleansing brew, or I forgot the name of it now. Purifying brew. Purifying brew. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, not purifying brew. Um, the other one. Nimble that, brew? Yeah, nimble brew. Exactly. See, it's still it's still new to me, so I it's like I the name, I know it's blue and it's I have it there. It's my R button, so I always know where <laughs> I know where to how to press it. But I mean, that might be something that you want to use if it you know if that's able to use it because then not only does it remove the stun or move any kind of a negative ability like slow ability, it's gonna pop that healing elixirs if you haven't say used it before. Is that something that like a fight for example that you may want to use a, a healing elixirs for at least in um, the current five four. If I take healing elixirs, it's less going to be for the uh, heal on brew effect and more for the under 35% protection effect, I think. The heal okay. effect is going to be nice and added to our overall heal, of course, but it's definitely the uh, death protection that matters the most to me. 
And then going into that death protection that you mentioned with the cloak, obviously, we talked about the Meta Gem. Um, mm-hmm. Now, with the cloak, is that going to be the same thing where it's going to be a death protection, or are you going to go with the reduced damage DPS cloak? I am going to go with the tanking cloak pretty much nonstop from first pull to last. Uh, I totally believe that the tanking cloak is going to be like at least 10 times as valuable to progression as the dps cloak yeah especially if you accidentally like turn the boss or something or or you know you lag out you know which can happen unfortunately with you know the the you know or like you know blizzard's making a change on the fly when you're doing a a heroic pull you know Mm -hmm. where they hot fix it mid fight and then you have to try to adapt to it right then and there that you may get all, all of a sudden get hit for a damaging ability that's overtuned or something like that uh so okay that's very interesting then so uh, you know, definitely something to look out for as far as like the legendary meta gem is that up in the air currently, but the cloak is 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 that just also because of how the stats kind of weigh out uh, with the change to the dodge getting removed and replaced with expertise? Um, it's a lot more based on the raid itself. If a tank dies, then that almost becomes unrecoverable unless everybody else plays to perfection. If you lose. If the tank loses maybe 5% of its damage, then, you know, no big deal. Unless you're, like, on the very cusp of some DPS check. So it's more of a to benefit to the raid sort of thing. And it doesn't matter how good your healers are. It doesn't matter how good you are. You are going to die during progression. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, yeah. I, mean, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, you're going to want to make sure that the battle res is not used on the tank. Unless it just has to happen that way, you want to make sure it's used on maybe a healer or even a DPS that may have died to a damaging ability or something. I mean, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, that uh, you know, not everybody can play to that hundred percent level like we see on like The Sims or anything like that. So you know, unfortunately, some people are going to have errors, and you know, I'm hoping that it won't be. And I know we're all hoping that it won't be you having those errors on the this next uh, this coming week. Well, I mean, this coming week it'll be normal, so I'm sure you'll probably have. Uh, you know, uh, not a maybe. You know, hopefully an ease time going through the progression and be able to get the items that you need. Uh, and then one last question I had was in regards to the level 90 talents. Um, obviously, we talked about how monks are looking with uh, rushing jade wind change to be you know really good on AOE. With Zwen being changed to where you can control the taunt, do you think that's going to be something you're going to utilize on some boss mechanics as far as like an ad that's able to be tauntable? No. No. <laughs> just no. Just flat out nope. No. So nope. Zwen is just not even something that you'd utilize at all as far as a, a tanking ability? Because I know I have seen some people use it in this current tier, but is, is that just because of how Resting Jade Wind, since you can still do your other moves while you're using it, is that why it's so much more effective? The only time that I can possibly think of where you could get a benefit of using uh, Zwen in this tier would be on Dark Animus by keeping the uh, small animal golems apart so they don't link. But there is no such similar mechanic in Siege of Orgrimmar, so there is just no way I can consider leaving uh, any raid mob tanked on a AI-controlled pet. <laughs> well, then what about the damage component to it? Is it something that you'd be thinking about grabbing? Because it does seem like it has a, a little more boost, a little more bang to its buck than it did in, the, in uh, 5.3. Oh yeah, for any fight that doesn't have three consistent targets to rushing Jade win off of, Zuin is definitely going to be your best choice in the level 90 talents. 
Yeah, especially with the change to the AoE as well, since it's not really an application of the dot, it's a, a pulsing damage, which is kind of interesting as far as um, you know how it's actually procking and doing damage on the PTR currently. So that's definitely probably something we'll have to look into a little more uh, and keep our eyes on. Um, uh, yeah. There are some reports that it may be bugged currently, so hopefully it's not, and you know, hopefully that's not something that'll keep you from pushing past salute on the DPS meters. <laughs> <laughs> then you could laugh at him and say how bad he's playing or something like that when you're uh, when you're storming through the, those uh, heroic modes. So Dot, well, thank you very much for joining us, uh, and then you can always reach Dot at uh, mw mwguild.net. Um, that's Midwinter's website, and we wish you all the best luck, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on after the tier is over. Thank you very much. And if you want to contact the show or maybe even join Monkcraft Podcast, go ahead and hit us up on uh, email at show at monkcraftpodcast.com or on Twitter at monkpodcast or myself on Twitter at golemverses. Uh, go ahead and just tweet or email and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And uh, that's going to be it for Monkcraft Podcast this week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Mm-hmm.